what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith and i'm your other co-host Corey tyndall and we are graced with a guest this week to talk about independence day resurgence yeah. um welcome slade Orin. hey everybody hey you've been on the show a couple times before yes right? for furious yes. 7 and uh, mission impossible yeah 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 so welcome back thank you good to be back uh but before we get into uh independence day we are going to talk about what we've been watching this week. Slade, what have you been watching? I <laughs> just watched the favorite of the podcast, um, Jurassic World. Oh, Ooh, yay! Yeah! Yeah. And, Thoughts. Thoughts. Um, and you had never seen it before. I had never seen it. So I didn't go to see it in theaters because it just <laughs> looked kind of bad uh, in, in the trailers. So I finally decided, eh, I might as well watch it. So I watched it the other day, and it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, I know uh, you aren't the biggest fan. I hate it so much. <laughs> and I don't understand the just pure hatred you have for that movie. It's so bad. But I, it's just, it's not good. It's just real, bore, like boring kind of, just like, just super generic. Like nothing about that movie I care about at mm. all. So, and I just couldn't get over the CG because the CG is really bad. There's no excuse for it to look that bad, considering how good the CG in the 1993 Jurassic Park is. Yeah. Or yeah. in something like Jungle Book recently. Yeah. Yeah. Or in any good recent movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just don't understand. I was talking to somebody about, and I was talking about how I couldn't get over how bad the CG was. Yeah. And he, he was like, well, it's, I don't, you know, he said, like, I've seen more CG. And I was like, yeah, totally. Like, I've definitely seen worse. Yeah. You know, definitely. But it's just so mm -hmm. bad for what it could have been and the time period and the fact that it's this major blockbuster movie and they have, you know, millions of dollars to put into the, you know, yeah. graphics. <laughs> yeah. And, and the franchise they're kind of standing on the shoulders of. Exactly. And it just I just couldn't get over that um, the whole time. And the fact that, like... I don't care about any of the characters or the fact that people are getting eaten. You can't remember their names. No, not I can't right now. Yep. Could not remember their names. Owen is that Owen. a character name? Yep. All right. I think Chris that Pat. is Chris, Chris Pat's name. Yep. Is. And then there's Red. Who's Bryce the, Dallas. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Her name's Red. Okay. Red. And then there's Kid. And I don't think that's actually her name. There's <laughs> Kid with the Strange Ears. That's his name. I don't. And then there's the like, older kid. The older kid. Okay. Yeah, his ears are super weird. <laughs> yeah, the kids like don't matter. Yeah, and they don't have any personality. Yeah, whatsoever. And then there's Kitty from Arrested Development. I'm pretty sure that's her character's name. Is just that's her full character, <laughs> Kitty from Arrested Development. It's just oh man, the control terminal guy is sweet. Oh yeah, the guy from the New Girl is yeah. his name. He's <laughs> okay. He's okay. He's, He's got, got some mustache. fun. He's got some fun jokes. Yeah, good. But even then, it's just. It's Do you like the so meta humor, Slade? Not really. <laughs> it's just so by the book. It's like it's just like written by a committee. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like, hey, let's write this movie and anything mm -hmm. that might be interesting or different, let's take that out. We don't want that in this movie. Yeah. What do you mean? There's a raptor <clears throat> army. Yeah. Oh he God. trains raptors. I in blue and... I hate that part so much. 
It's just so utterly ridiculous. Like, but I couldn't I couldn't handle it. You no. love that turn when it was like, the Indominus has Raptor in it, just because, why not? I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, yeah. that's way better than if they were like, also it's part human. Because yeah, I for true. sure thought that's where it was headed. Really? Oh, yeah, I thought for sure they were going to be like, we put some human in there so it thinks like a person. And then I would have just... I would have just found a knife somewhere and slashed the screen. I would have been like, no one needs to watch this anymore. I mean, why do you like? Why do you hate it so much? It's not good. It's not good. I hate the cynicism of it in light of the not like the optimism of Jurassic Park. Even though Jurassic Park is about like how we shouldn't play God. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and I guess ultimately this kind of is, but not really. I don't think it's it's not actually saying anything. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there's this weird thing where it kind of hates the audience it's playing to, where it's like, well, all they wanted was this empty spectacle, so it's what we gave them when we sank millions of dollars into making this thing to just sort of bring people back. And, uh, you know, because dinosaurs, like, people aren't in awe of just dinosaurs yeah. anymore. They have to be bigger and better oh, and cooler. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. That yeah. makes sense. That makes and sense. so I was just like, well, like, why are you flipping off the people you're catering to at the same time? And you time? made reference to, like, the first Jurassic Park was, like, legit or whatever. The control guy has the yeah. Jurassic Park oh, shirt. And he's gosh. like, yeah. I don't know. I just, man. It's just, like, so boring. I agree. It's real bad. So boring. Oh, the Raptor part, though. Like I was when I because I didn't. Okay, so I saw the trailer originally, yeah. and I, originally I thought he was running away from Raptors on a motorcycle because you know that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then someone proceeded to tell me, no, I think he's leading them into battle. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't believe. <laughs> and come to watch the trailer again. Yep, that's <clears throat> what he was doing. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens in the movie. Yep. And I hate it because <laughs> it's terrible. You want to be a Raptor trainer when it's you grow like, up? It's like doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Nope. None whatsoever. Man. Anyway, we're going to have a sequel. Also, so. I really like what you said off mic about uh, the general safety of the park. Oh, the yeah. Park in it's general. absurd. Because there's just this giant mon- like water monster that can apparently jump out of the water and eat things yeah. with just a railing there. So if anyone, you know, happens <laughs> to climb over the railing, just gets eaten. Yep. Yeah. Or get near the railing. <laughs> yeah. Slightly near it. <laughs> yeah. Just like... Within like 12 feet of the railing. Yeah. What? <laughs> This park was not safe ever. Yeah. I want to see the Jurassic World spinoff wherein Jimmy Buffett goes and leads everyone to safety. (laughs) Just carrying his two margaritas as he was in the movie. Yeah, with the fun uh, Jimmy Kimmel cameo in the uh, little pod. pod. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Fallon. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. They just create, like, a separate society. (laughs) That's the Jurassic World sequel. It's just, like, two Jimmys versus all the dinosaurs who have now taken over Jurassic World. Buffett and Fallon. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, I don't know. I just have really... It's not good, but beyond that, whatever. You're looking forward to the sequel? No. Because there's going to be a sequel. Jurassic World. It made so much money. I don't understand. So much. How? Why? I don't... The title? Yeah, basically. I guess. Anyway. That's what I I watched. Sweet. Corey, what about you? Wow, for something completely different, I watched a uh, documentary about a jazz musician. It's called Jocko. It follows the bass player Jocko Pistorius. Oh, yeah. Sweet. And it's sweet. Um, I mean, you guys have listened to the show. You know I'm a musician, and I'm really big into jazz. And 
I would identify as like a bass player, and so Jocko is like this super influential bass player. He's like the the Jimi Hendrix of like bass players. So it's like he had that much influence in like what he did in his short time. And the documentary is really cool. I think it's really well done. It's uh I don't know if it was produced or just mostly funded by like the bass player from Metallica. Yeah. So that's some, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> the documentary kinda like walks through Jocko's life and you kind of get to see his whole thought process by like how he did music and how he came like created different things and the people who influenced him and then you know they have like his wife and his brother and his kids on there and then you have a lot of like cut-ins of famous bass players who were like influenced by him and so that's really cool to see them talk about him so people like Sting or Flea or like Stanley Jordan or like all these different bass players and so that's really cool um I don't know, it's just really cool, like, to go and, like, see kind of the world through his eyes and, you know, like, wow, he did lots of stuff. And even if you're not familiar with, like, jazz, really, it paints the landscape well. So it's like, this is what came before it. This is, like, how the stuff he created, like, influenced people later. And so I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's kind of long. It's, like, pushing two hours. I think it's, like, hour... 50 something but it was really good so was he crazy like legitimately who Jocko yeah because I've heard stories of him doing some kind of ridiculous <clears throat> stuff yeah it seems like he kind of was I mean it seems kind of like not like you're cut and paste like star and then like the star falls but it's kind of like he was like a genius and he was brilliant up to a point and then it's kind of like the fame and everything got to him and so he kind of like pushed his family out and I don't know if there were drugs, but there probably were drugs involved. And then, yeah. um, you know, he ended up dying tragically. Like, Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, so it's, I mean, that's what happens if you play jazz, Slade. <laughs> Just historically, yeah, it's yeah. going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You die under 40. <laughs> yeah. This is very true. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's the main thing I watched this week. That's cool. Yeah. What is it called? It's called Jocko. Oh, okay. Yeah. Simple. I'll yeah. check that out. Yeah, it's really sweet. Um, MJ, what about you? Yeah, uh, I actually also watched a music documentary really? this week. Yeah, I watched nice. the Decline Trilogy. And uh, the Decline Trilogy is this set of films from uh, uh, this woman named Penelope? Penelope? I think her name's Penelope Spheris. It might be Phoebe Spheris, but I think it's Penelope Spheris. She directed Wayne's World. The first oh, okay. One. Yeah, but uh, her first movie was Decline of Western Civilization, which is a documentary about punk rock in... 1979 to 1980 Los Angeles. Um, So you see like a bunch of the super famous uh, Los Angeles punk bands like the Germs and the Circle Jerks and Black Flag and Fear and all those guys. Um, And then she followed it up later in the 80s with Decline to the Metal Years, which was a bunch of those like Sunset Strip glam metal, like hair metal bands Mm -hmm. like uh, uh, Poison. Yeah. Yeah. Poison's in it. um, Kiss is in it. And... uh, then the third one was in 97, 98, when it was kind of like this post-grunge, like, pop punk was becoming a thing, Fallout, mm. and she followed, like, gutter punks, which are these, like, <laughs> these kids who took the punk ideas of the 70s to the, their most extreme and were like, I'm so anti-establishment, I'm gonna be homeless on purpose, and I'm, like, 16, and so it's just, like, all these, like, homeless teenagers, basically, <laughs> who are alcoholics, who were like, yeah, I started drinking when I was, like, 11, and they're just, like, panhandling and stuff. That one's a real bummer. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, but like as a set, it's this really cool like evolution of um, like the music scene in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so you you know you see where punk rock came from in that area and like basically how it's still all like Cold War fallout. Basically, like there was the anger of the like being in the Cold War for so long in the punk rock scene, and then just like the resigned acceptance to where we just need a distraction from it that was like the glam metal. Yeah. And then just like all the disenfranchisement that happened after that. Um, so it's like, it's this really cool set of movies. Um, yeah. And she is really good. Not so much in the, not so much in the mm-hmm. second one, um, because I don't think she's actually a fan of the, uh, the heavy metal stuff, but I think she is a fan of punk rock music. Okay. She's very good at, um, just kind of presenting stuff without commentary. So it's sh- like, she's very good mm-hmm. at just like asking a question, let the kid answer honestly, portraying that and then like she won't cut to a thing that like undermines what they say yeah or whatever or like the you know in decline one it ends with fear uh and that's the other thing is it always ends with like a performance of a band that you can kind of see like where that style of music is headed yeah so like you see fear at the end of um decline one and they're like straight up nazi punks and so you see that like the rise of like the skinheads or the the inclement rise of the skinheads in the 80s in the punk rock scene and then in the metal years they end with a performance by megadeth so you can see oh. that it's trans transitioning out of you know this glam metal into um i don't know megadeth isn't really death metal um but this more like uh reflective style of metal music and then she just ends the the third one on this note of like um it's someone saying that like punks are the cockroaches of society when it all burns away all that's going to be left are punks and that's kind of like it's like this Hmm. unintentional end cap that was very good to like her whole trilogy so that's why like you can totally tell she heard that teenage girl say it and she was like well i'm ending on that yeah (laughs) for sure like that's going to be my final statement um so so it, it does a lot as far as like history of these not super well documented eras which is weird because they're such a modern era um of of music but you don't really hear like a lot of yeah like i don't know it's not it, there's not this real like oral history to it you know yeah and then in the metal years the metal years is real sad but also hilarious because she let the metal guys like decide how they wanted to be interviewed and so she's interviewing paul stanley from kiss and he's just laying in a bed with three women around him like that's definitely how he wanted to be portrayed and like the kiss yeah. guys are all super <laughs> gross about it you know like uh, Gene Simmons interview is him like hanging out in a lingerie store and like in the middle of stuff he'll like start hitting on the women in the lingerie store because he's Gene Simmons and he's just ridiculous but then like Ozzy Osbourne is super thoughtful and he's just like cooking breakfast <laughs> awesome oh, yeah wow. and like Poison like Poison comes off as like actual musicians which is weird really like yeah they're wow. just like we're we really are in this for the music. And then it shows them playing and like, they start playing like pretty technical stuff. And you're like, what? How are you poison right now? I don't understand. Why did you guys play that? Yeah. They come off as like the most professional musicians in the entire scene. That makes no sense. Yep. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't know if they planned that out or what, but yeah, that one, she's a little harsher on her (laughs) subjects, but also she also let them do it to themselves. Yeah. So... Fair. You know, but yeah, they're, they're real interesting. Um, you know, if you like, uh, I don't even like punk rock or metal that much, but they're yeah. just this real interesting, like, capsule of a specific area of the country going through 
certain types of music. And I think she's working on Decline 4, which I can only assume is about EDM. Because I feel like that's pretty predominant in L.A. right now, although I could be lying. I don't know. I don't live there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I had to guess, like, that's, that's like, the next musical revolution that we saw after, like, that set of music. So yeah. I feel like it's about EDM, which could be cool. I think that would be, you know, that could be a, that could work. I feel like there's no EDM documentaries out there right now. Yeah, not a lot of about that mm-hmm. yep so that's basically all i watched besides finding dory which yeah. you can hear all about on youtube yeah and uh it's good lame is which you can hear all about yeah uh, in a second yes <laughs> so um let's talk some news news i feel like uh before we talk any you know sort of casting news or anything like that we have to talk about anton yelchin's death mm-hmm. um cory i know you're not super familiar with him slate i don't know how familiar with him you are just from star trek yeah. yeah. Um, so Anton Yelchin, who plays Chekhov in the new Star Trek movies, uh, passed away in the super, super freak accident um, where his Jeep rolled backwards. His Jeep was in neutral and it rolled backwards and pinned him between the security gate and his mailbox. And he died. And uh, man. Yeah. What, wow. Like, what a way to go. Um, he is, he was only 27, which I didn't know. I always thought he was older than me and uh he is not and so that was like that was that was real weird to accept um he was in this movie called charlie bartlett i don't know if you guys saw oh yeah okay i've heard of that yeah Yeah. uh he's really good in that movie um he was never like anyone who i think would be considered the actor of his generation Mm -hmm. but he was fine like he was fine in the star trek movies yeah Yeah. he was good yeah Yeah. he's real likable you know yeah Yeah, he he seemed like a really nice guy just, like, off-camera. And by all accounts, like, you know, I hopped on Twitter and all the film journalists that I follow were like, man, he was always so nice. And he was just a really nice guy, which is hard to come by, <laughs> yeah. you know? And he was this young guy who was, like, totally unjaded by the industry. And so, I don't know. It's just a bummer. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he may have been <laughs> able to get some really good performances later on in his career. Like, he was always... He was never the strongest actor in anything, but I never hated him in anything either. Like, he was always mm-hmm. just solid. Yeah. You know, and so I think if he could develop those chops into something more, we could have seen, um, you know, something huge from him later on in his life. But mm-hmm. yeah, just crazy. Just real sad. Yeah. yeah. Is... Yep. Um, so we just we wanted to talk about that before. Yeah. Just acknowledge him. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, in other news, uh, Donald Glover's in Spider-Man. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Apparently. Yeah. Spider-Man: Homecoming starts rolling cameras today. Uh, at the time of this recording, like yeah. it, today was the first day of principal photography, um, taking over <clears throat> from Guardians of the Galaxy, which just wrapped yeah. over the weekend. Um, <clears throat> so I, I mean, what do you guys? Uh, I know you're like <laughs> we've talked Spider Man to death with you guys, yes. with you Corey, but uh, Slade. I mean, you weren't on for Civil War, and I don't know if you've seen it. Even I think you. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah. have. Yeah, okay. I have. Um, <laughs> so what do you think about this whole like this new Spider Man and? Um, where it's um, where it's headed, I think it's cool. I think what we saw in Civil War was like a good snapshot of what's possible. Yeah, I like Tom Holland as Spider Man. Yeah, it was really great. It was just a really great take on it that we haven't really seen. We yeah. haven't seen like kid Spider Man yet, in and like really quippy, funny Spider Man. It's true. Yeah, which was you know both of those things were just like part of the character. You yeah, know? just mm-hmm. like part of his essence. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to really see see that in film. So I think it'll be really really fun. And I think it, I mean, Marvel just does a good job with their 
with their characters. Yeah. And it's nice that Spider-Man's back because he is so iconic. So it's nice for him to be back under Marvel um, where they can have some oversight and kind of kind of make sure he's done right. Yeah, mm. I would agree. Um, so that's cool. And I am excited about Donald Glover. I love Donald Glover. He's amazing because I love community. Yeah. And he's my favorite part of that <laughs> whole show. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty excited for that. I think he's I think he's hilarious, and just generally a good actor. So I think that's a good get for the movie for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly what he's going to be. be. Yeah, he's in a mystery role right now. Yeah. So people are kind of freaking out. Like for you guys listening, like there's Spider Man, and then there's kind of like a couple years ago, three or four years ago, like Marvel created like a new Spider Man, and he's Miles Morales, and he takes over after Spider Man dies, and so. In, like, the... Marvel has a TV show, Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, Donald Glover actually voices Miles Morales. So some people were freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, are they going to have Miles in this new movie? And, I mean, I don't think that's the case. Um, maybe they'll have some fun, like, inversion or switch on Miles. Kind of how, like, you know, Marvel's known to do with some of their characters. Kind of like Ben Urich and daredevil yeah you know they kind of inverted his role a little bit so maybe they'll do something like that you know just kind of be fun i don't know that'd be sweet i know there was all that talk with him um uh years ago when they were redoing when they were were doing the reboot for amazing yeah oh yeah there was talk there was this big push for like donald glover or spider-man hashtag donald yeah and he had no idea what was happening it was just like yeah that's cool i'd be spider-man he's like yeah and then he got a cease and desist from sony (laughs) he was like i'm not doing it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, the, uh, he talked about it in his comedy special. Yeah, yeah, and which which I think is hilarious. Um, so that's kind of funny that he's actually now in Spider Man. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a cool little like um, turnaround thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean Marvel, yeah. Marvel, someone at Marvel loves Community because they pulled the it's Russo true. brothers out of Community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Danny Pudi has a cameo in Winter yeah, Soldier. I think that's because of the Russo brothers. Yes. And the um, what's his name? Oh, the Dean the, is oh, in, yeah, Civil in Civil War. Civil War yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now Donald Glover's in Spider Man. I think it's only a matter of time before we get Joel McHale in there. Yeah, yeah. I really like Star Lord's brother. So, oh, that'd yeah. be great. <laughs> I would Sweet. watch that. Yeah, I would watch that. Or like a rival Star Lord. Like, yeah, just like this, like Bizarro Star Lord. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, that's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see where see where, see where that goes. Yeah, so. um, he's a good actor. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love him in Community, but also he was great in The Martian. I thought he was oh, really yeah. good in that. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, he was really good in that. Yeah, so I'm interested to see. I, I I've been seeing online people are saying that like maybe he should be the younger. You guys said Robbie Robertson, who is yeah, someone yeah, who could possibly be Robbie Robertson, who's who like works at the Daily Bugle and right. kind of oversees a lot of that. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing online people thinking it would be cool if they took the Bugle and instead of making it a paper, making it like. Like a like a rag website, yeah, and having mm-hmm. him be like the young guy who's in charge of the blog, mm-hmm. uh, and the celebrity gossip at at you know this like Gawker TMZ version of the Bugle, yeah, which I think could work. Um, I think that's a good idea. I don't like. There's no official word on that. I think that's just like a cool fan idea. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, that. But I could also see that being a thing. Yeah, in the movie too. So, yeah, um, I'm interested. I mean, I'm always yeah. down for him in it, and then. They're just casting really funny people in the movie. Yeah. Um, Hannibal Burris is going to be in yeah. it, who's mm-hmm. a stand-up, and uh, what? Like, what is he <laughs> yeah. going to be doing? Yeah, super random. Yeah, yeah, Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks and Silicon Valley is going to be in it. There's like they're ca- they're going for a very specific tone by setting up this cast the way they are. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, um, I am too. 
yeah, uh, we'll see. The uh, director is, you know, but <laughs> um, he's got a he's got a movie out right now called Clown that isn't uh, isn't making waves, making the waves that they hoped it would. No, uh-huh. um, but he did a movie last year called Cop Car that did make some pretty good waves with uh, Kevin Bacon in it. So he's fifty fifty right now. This is going to be his third feature. And, uh, you know, I, I, they hired him based off cop car and not clown. Yeah. So as long as Marvel has the oversight to steer him in that direction, I haven't seen either one of them, but mm-hmm. if they steer him in, you know, sort of the sensibilities that made cop car work, yeah. um, they'll probably get a, a good product. Like Marvel mm-hmm. has, I trust them at this yeah, point. You yeah, know? I do too. So yeah, uh, I think that'll do it for news. We yeah. will take a short break and uh, go to Before and After Show Film School. Yes. Where we will be talking about... Lame is. ...and characters. Yes. Okay, everybody, we are back with film school. Yay! Yeah, love me some film school. I learned so much. So, if you guys were with us last time, we were talking about characters, characters in film, uh, specifically different types of characters, different roles of characters um, that they fill. And the homework assignment that we had was that we were going to watch Les Mis, the 2012 version of Les Mis, and talk about the character types in regards to the cast of characters presented in Les Mis because it's an ensemble piece and usually in like a stage play or uh, ensemble piece like this you have a wide scope of characters that we can talk about so real ah, so real quick I'm going to recap um, the stuff we talked about last time just run through the list and then we'll jump right into it because Les Mis has a lot of characters doesn't yes, it? Yes it does. <laughs> Holy cow. Yes. So um, types of characters we have the protagonist and the antagonist. So, like, you know, the main character who is the focus of it, and the antagonist is the character that's trying to stop them, like, whatever the goal the protagonist has. Sometimes the antagonist can be not necessarily a character or a force or anything else. Okay, so, then we have dynamic characters. They're characters that change throughout the story, um, and this is these things are in relation to the plot. We have static characters who don't really change throughout the course of the story. Um... Their lack of change sometimes can help reveal a theme or different uh, things that the director wants to convey. Then we have characters kind of in relation to how much we find out about them. So round characters, they're characters that are lifelike, they're deep, they're multi-layered. We learn lots of things about them, we learn how they think, and then we have the opposite of that, flat characters that are just one-dimensional. We don't learn a ton about them in regards to like what's going on in their minds or like their emotions or their rhetoric. They're just kind of there to help push the story along and then the last kind of two special types are we have foil characters so characters that usually contrast with one of the main characters presented um, to usually depict some theme or something and then we have symbolic characters characters that literally stand for something some theme or some idea or some people group and yeah so we'll go through the whole cast of Les Mis and kind of it, Les Mis is a huge, it's a yes. huge story. So I'm not going to give 
a whole talk about it. I probably could do a whole podcast on Les Mis. It would be sweet. But that's not what we're here to do. So uh, um, Before we move on, though, um, I cut this out of the last podcast, but yes. I feel like it's important now that we're actually talking about the movie. Out of the way. <laughs> I don't like this movie. And I knew I didn't like this movie heading into it. I did rewatch it for yeah. the podcast. <laughs> I rewatched it yesterday, and I actually found myself liking it quite a bit more mm-hmm. until I was like, oh, this movie is way more well-paced than I gave it credit for. And then I checked how much time was left, and there was still an hour left, and I was like, never mind, this is bad. Yeah. And uh, and part of it is mm-hmm. I don't like the way they filmed it. They mm-hmm. had sung all the stuff live, and as a result, they had to stick the camera right up in their faces. Yeah. And so it makes this, uh, you know, the story that spans decades across the, you know, the remnants of the first French Revolution into the second one feel very small to me. Yeah. Um, some might say intimate, uh, which I guess I understand, but I also feel like there's a certain sense of scope that needs to take place here. Yeah. I'm very unfamiliar <laughs> with the actual stage production, so maybe I'm a liar. So, but, I mean, I feel the inverse of you on all those things. Yeah. But, you know, um, it's, it comes down to whether you see this more as like a film musical or a film that is happens to be a musical right you know right and I, the sense i get is that it wanted to have its cake and eat it too it wanted to be both of those things yeah and so it only kind of ended up feeling like one of them yeah and that's what i didn't like but yeah yes. i do think <laughs> it's still important to uh to see this movie for uh for this because there are so many characters and there are so many characters serving so many different purposes yes and when we were originally talking about this, I told you it was important. That, uh, I think it was it would be important to do a play, yeah. some sort of a film like film adaptation of a play, and I think this is a good choice. So, yeah. as much as I do not like this movie, I do recognize the uh, the the import of this movie serving this purpose for this segment. Yeah, let's get into the characters. Let's start just from the top. Um, this char- this movie has so many characters. We're only gonna. Well, I guess we'll touch on all of them, but we're not going to stay forever on every character. So let's talk. start with the beginning. Jean Valjean. He is the character that we get introduced at the beginning alongside Javert. And what I have for Jean Valjean, and I guess, MJ, we can go back and forth. I have him as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. I have him as a major character. I have him as a dynamic character because he does grow and he changes throughout the film. We very clearly see that. He's a round character. We get inside his head. We understand how he's thinking about things, how he feels about things. Um, he's symbolic. He has a lot of different symbolism. Probably the biggest one is kind of like redemption, mm-hmm. grace and redemption in his life. He completely changes kind of on his outlook about specifically God, but then also just people in general and like the society that the state that like France is in Yeah, kind of why he was imprisoned unfairly and how that like affects him later in his life. And then I also have that he is a foil character. He's very much a foil of Javert. Yes. So I, I agree. He's also sim- he's symbolic of salvation, both in, yes. I mean, which I guess goes along both in, in redemption, mm-hmm. um, but salvation through the sort of Christ story that we know. Yes. Um, there's no character that really dies for his sins, but he recognizes that. Yeah. Um, that God is a redeeming God. Yes. And so he becomes quote saved, um, as is the nomenclature in. Christianity, but also he serves a salvation in Colette's case. In Cosette's case. In Cosette's case. Sorry. Um, in Cosette's case, but also salvation in um, France's case. Yeah. You know, like he, the, the, the entire arc of the movie is still his story. Yes, like, yes. You know, we get introduced to all these characters over the course of it, but it's very much Jean Valjean's story. Yep. 
and what he represents in terms of the revolution is salvation from the tyranny of the law. Yeah, exactly. Um, Man, it's so good. I love it. Anyway, um, let's talk Javert. I'll let you take him. Yeah, uh, Javert is legalism. Yes. (laughs) uh, Once again, is the nomenclature in um, the Christian church. He represents, you know, doing everything by the law, um, in order to atone for those sins yes. that, that Jean Valjean recognizes as a free gift from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Valjean takes that free gift from God and applies it to the whole of human existence that we have this freedom to, you know, at certain inalienable rights. Yes. And Javert is the whole of the law. Yeah. He is, he is uh, so by the book that it ultimately becomes his downfall. Because he um, can't, grace doesn't fit into his whole idea of like the law either you're right or you're wrong right there can't be forgiveness things can't change you're either you're either one way or another i mean he even at the beginning of the film you see him call jean valjean 24601 his his you know prisoner number and then later you see him like they have a different relationship he's valjean is the mayor Mm -hmm. and so he's esteems him with all this respect and then after all that stuff happens and he finds out who he is he goes back to calling him the number again so yeah. he can't he can't reckon reconcile this idea of like someone could actually change they could actually be a good person even though later in the film he's you know Valjean spares his life right yeah and so he is a major character he's mm-hmm. the antagonist yep. uh, he's a foil to Valjean yeah um, he's a foil to revolution yes uh, that theme of revolution he's symbolic of tyranny mm-hmm. um, in the form of the French government he even works for the French government yeah. You know, that's just keeping these people down who are who are inciting this revolution. Yeah. Um, yeah, did I miss... Oh, he's a round character, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, that is for him. I wrote down, I think you could argue it either way. You could say he's a round or he's a flat character. I tend to go with round um, because I feel like... And in musicals, you find out a lot of the... Uh, the rhetoric of the characters in their songs. Kind mm-hmm. of like what how they're thinking about things. And so... If we're going off it that way, I think we find out a lot about like how he thinks, how he processes things. Like even when he's singing the stars song, you kind oh, of yeah. you kind of very much see like his positioning on like this is how the law works and this is how like you know you're either in or you're out. Yeah. But yeah, so they're awesome. That's sweet. Having to keep this train moving on because I like I said I could be here forever. Fontaine, I have her down as. A major character, even though she's only in the film uh, for about 20, 25 minutes. Being generous, probably closer to 15, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's a major character. She's dynamic. She does change. It's kind of, um, she's round. She's a round character too. It's kind of interesting because you see a lot of how her character, her character on screen is mostly, you see her like kind of the same most of the time, and it's through her one song that you kind of see who she was before, like, we meet her in this movie. She she sings a song of kind of, like, how she used to be, how she used to think. Um, And she's symbolic. Uh, She's a symbolic character that kind of represents, like, you know, hope or kind of, like, brokenness. Like, she has this dream that has, like, gone away. Kind of, like, really come to terms with, like, how the world is. So Mm -hmm. she represents kind of, like, this understanding like the brokenness of like the world yeah yeah so any thoughts about Fontaine no I think you hit the nail on the head um I did not understand the function of that character until the second time I saw it yeah (laughs) um but yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I I think you got it then next I have uh the bishop 
he's barely in the movie, but he, um, I think, is a big enough role that... Is this the bishop that helps Jean Valjean yeah. at the beginning? Fun fact, that's the guy who actually played Jean Valjean in the first production. I knew he was connected to it somehow. Yeah. I couldn't remember how. Um, that guy is... Uh, he's a minor character, I yeah, would say. Yeah, um, He's pretty flat. Yep. Uh, you don't get a ton of, of backstory on him. Yeah. Um, he's symbolic of grace and redemption and salvation. If yes. anyone can be considered a Christ allegory in it, it's him. Yes. Um, once again, he never dies directly for anyone's sin, but he does forgive sins of others. Yeah, and he um, saves Valjean in yeah, this case. Yeah. yeah, and he's essentially what... He's essentially the Christ figure to Valjean in this. Yeah. Um, so he's symbolic. Uh, he's, I guess, still a foil to Javert. Um, yeah, yeah. Almost a more extreme foil than Valjean is. Yeah. Um, uh, and a foil to, once again, the tyranny of the, the French government. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I think that's... Yeah, that, really... yeah that, that's what I had for him. Uh, the next uh, characters I have, I just put them together, are the... They have a weird French name, but... Uh, the Thenardiers. So oh, that's yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen and Helen Baum Carter's mm -hmm. characters. And so I have them as they're minor characters. Uh, they're static characters. They're flat characters. They kind of do one thing. He's like the underhanded innkeeper, and he's kind of about like just lying in his own pockets. And she is kind of right there alongside with them. And I put that they're symbolic characters. They like this whole movie. It is about Jean Valjean, but it's like you said, it's kind of against the backdrop of like the French Revolution and how things have changed since that and like the laws being abused. Yeah. And we see a lot of that through Valjean, but like uh the Ternat the Tenardiers uh kind of represent a society of kind of how some people have like become in the French Revolution. Like it's just about looking out for ourselves. It didn't really the revolution didn't help anybody and like we still just have to be underhanded and the law like is broken it doesn't work mm -hmm. so that's kind of what i got from them any thoughts no uh that's true so next character i have is Cosette. so i'll let you take that one mj sure um she's this weird in between of a major and minor character yeah. like you could argue either way on her yeah um you know, I really feel like if you ask me, it depends on the hour. Uh, yeah. Um, whether she's a major or minor character. She's this major player in Valjean's life. Yeah. Um, she has more prominent... Well, you could argue that either way. She's more prominent in the second act rather than the yeah. first act. But I could see you arguing, like, she's a catalyst in Valjean, like, after she's, Fontaine. Uh, she, her presence is felt, but she's not a real character yeah. in the first act. But yeah. yeah. She appears in the second act, and... and you know, I think you could almost say that the, uh, what is Sasha Baron Cohen? Minor character. Uh, what are their names? Oh, the Tenardiers. Yeah, the Tenardiers. They're almost, you know, if this plays about Cassette, um, it's, they're the antagonists in her story. Yeah. And there's enough of her story present to where you could consider them almost secondary antagonists yeah. in this B plot of Cassette's arc. Yeah. Um, and so, so Cassette is, uh, She's somewhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, she's definitely a round character. Yeah. We get a ton of her backstory. Almost yeah. more backstory than any other character. Mm -hmm. Since she's being talked about off screen for the first 30 or 40 minutes yeah. of the movie. Um, until she shows up. Uh, she's dynamic. She changes over the course of it. We see mm -hmm. her desires when she's a young woman. And, yeah. and you know, uh, her ultimate, uh, you know, love and marriage to Marius. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what that means. And then... She's uh, she's symbolic once again of that yeah. hope. She's carrying on this hope of Fantine. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's kind of a foil to Fantine in a way, in that 
she still has this light and this hope in her. Whereas Fantine's story ends her with her completely broken. Yeah. Um, Cassette's story ends with her finding joy and love in the world. Yeah, and I was going to say, going off of the foil thing, I think she's kind of a foil to Eponine. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and Cassette is Fantine's daughter, by the way. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't watch the movie, you're completely lost yeah, anyway, so it doesn't matter. You're lost. You probably skipped this section. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you didn't, thanks for being here. Um, yeah, because that's a good example of a character, a, a very nuanced character, because I agree with you and the stuff you said. I tend to sometimes view her as minor and some, in some regards flat, because I feel like the story kind of just happens to her. I don't mm. really feel like she is an active participant, but she's a good example of a character that you can argue either way. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just kind of, sometimes you're like, she's just the catalyst for things to happen, but she does have enough of her own backstory where it's kind of like, yeah, you could, you understand how she's thinking, her feelings about things, like her relationship with her dad. So there's enough for her to be a very like fleshed out round character too. So that's just a, it's a cool example of just how characters can be presented in films where it's like, you know, maybe someone looks at them and it's like, you're a flat static character and someone's like, no, they're round and dynamic. So that's just, that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, Next character I have is Gavrosh, and he is the little child singing character oh. who's part of the revolution. Mm -hmm. um, he's a minor character. Um, I'd say he's static, he's flat. Uh, we don't really get a lot about him. We just know he's part of this revolution. And he's symbolic. He's again, he symbolizes the people. When the second act of the film starts, he's the one kind of rousing the whole chorus about, like, do you hear the people sing yeah. Song of Angry Men? So he's very much, like, representative of, like, you know, the French Revolution. So next, Marius. MJ, I'll let you... Yeah, sure. Um, Marius is... He's a weird character, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's... I guess by default, he's a major character. Yeah. I don't like this character because I don't like the actor who plays him. I think he's super boring. He's played by Eddie Redmayne, and yeah. I don't like Eddie Redmayne as an actor. So I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to his arc, uh, uh, which bums me out, I it's guess. It's sad. No one ever good plays him in the... This concert version, Nick Jonas plays him. Oh, that's the character he plays? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, super funny. Gosh. Um, <laughs> he is, uh, like I said, for the intent of the play, he's a major character. Yeah. Um, I guess you could say he's, he's dynamic. Uh, you know, he goes from this revolutionary to this husband. He changes over yeah. time. He's not, you know, still this hardcore revolutionary by the time he's getting married. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he represents, um, the Lollipop Guild, and he also uh, stands in as sort of this uh, resilience of the French people. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, what was the little kid's name? Gavroche. Gavroche is, is he's the the catalyst for revolution, and because his death really sets off the, the major battle yeah. of the revolution, he represents the will of the people. Yeah. Uh, Marius does. Marius mm -hmm. represents the will of the people. And he is, uh, he's not super round, no. I would say. We don't get a lot of backstory. We just know mm -hmm. he's this young, scrappy guy, um, yeah. you know, who wants revolution and justice in his country. Yeah. And he loves his country, and that's all we know about him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was weird watching scenes of revolution and not hearing them rap over it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because you're so in Hamilton. Yeah. Right you're like, wait. Yeah. I was like, why aren't they rapping? Okay, Hugh Jackman's gonna sing a song. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's all right on for Marius, you know. 
he's symbolic of the people, like you said. He's kind of symbolic, too, of, like, the recipient of grace, because, you know, Valjean ends up physically saving oh, mm-hmm. him, too. Yeah. So, <clears throat> okay, next character, Eponine. Um, she is actually the Ternardier's daughter, and so, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, I think she's a foil to Cosette. Cosette coming from, like, you know... I don't know, a mom who ended up dying and giving everything, and Cosette kind of ends up in kind of the wealth, the better end. Yeah, um, she was a super privileged life. Yeah, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, you should think that Eponine, because her parents are, like, innkeepers and have all this money, should kind of end up in a better social status, but she doesn't. Yeah. And so, um, she's a minor character. Um, she's She's kind of static and flat. I think she's really interesting. I like her character, but she kind of is very much one note. She's kind of symbolic of, like, unrequited love. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also kind of that another representation of the French people of how, like, we're fighting for revolution, but then at the same time, she loves this guy who is in a different social class than her, and he he doesn't even notice her, you yeah. know? Um, so, yeah. Um, and then the last character I have is... A French name that I can't pronounce, so if you're French, please don't get mad at me. I'm sorry. Um, Enjolras? I I have no idea. The revolutionary guy. Um, uh, He sings the song that kind of, like, fills us in about, like, why they want revolution. Uh, I have he's a minor character. Um, I have he's static and flat. He kind of just is, like, he's revolution. He's, like... Bring justice to the people. Red, the color. Yeah. yeah. Black, the... Yeah, so... um, And, yeah, he's just that symbol of, like, revolution, and we want justice for the people, and, like, you know, all these people died in the revolution, and, like, now, you know, nothing has changed, it feels like. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so that is kind of, like, the quick rundown of all the characters. Um, There's lots of themes, lots of different things discussed, but I think it's a really good example, whether or not, like, you like musicals or whatever, it's a really good example of, like, a character piece. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, Well, thank you, Corey, for doing that. Uh, It was quite fun. Yeah, it was was a time commitment, so if you did this with us, I uh, salute you and commend you. Yeah. Thank you for doing so. Uh, if you didn't, I also totally understand. But yeah. <laughs> um, I would say find something, like look for this, uh, look for these archetypes in yeah. whatever you watch. Um, and, and I think it'll just kind of... It helps to deepen mm-hmm. kind of, you know, because there's so much that goes into the story of like film and like, you know, how people choose to write things and even, you know, like what characters say or they're like when they show up in the plot. It's really important. Yes, so. I agree. Um, so that'll do it for film school. Yeah, it will. Yep. And, uh, join us next time when we talk about another chunk of film history, probably still in the silent era. Yes. Um, I'm not sure what just yet. I'm enjoying being mute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, and, uh, we're going to stop talking about this and start talking about Independence Day resurgence. enjoyed that segment uh cory uh, talking about characters yeah that's great yep and if you watched uh the movie thank you for that that's a commitment and yeah so we're gonna get into what 
sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't really want to talk about this. Me movie neither, yet. man. I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah, like, we're gonna, we're here to talk about Independence Day Resurgence, uh, which is the uh, uh, 20 years later, 10 years too late sequel to Independence Day. Is it 20 years? Uh, I think so. And the stupid choice Man. to not release it on July 4th. That's what bugs me. Most <laughs> yeah. June 24th? What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yep. The marketing uh, is built into the name for you guys, <laughs> and they just can't, they can't do it? I don't know. Corey is hating on this movie right out of the gate, which is always my favorite thing that happens on the show. I'm, it's always the best when Corey starts hating. Uh, uh, it's yeah. bad. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> It is real stupid, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Especially because it could totally <laughs> dominate that weekend. <laughs> I mean, you know it's bad when Will Smith's like, no, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you can't get Will Smith, don't make the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just, uh, you know, that just makes sense. It's all right. We'll just make Jeff Goldblum, like, the main guy I mean, now. You, ha- you need Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah, you do. Like, yeah. But, man... Yeah, it's just like, so okay. So I watched the trailer, mm-hmm. and the problem with it was funny because I saw the trailer right after the Suicide Squad trailer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which obviously Will Smith is in there. Yeah. Yes. So you watch the Suicide Squad trailer, and I'm just like, man, Will Smith so likable, you know? Yeah. yeah. Even even for like three seconds, just Will Smith is he's great. Yeah. Know? Super just, charismatic. Just charismatic. Yeah. And then you watch the Independence, the new Independence Day movie trailer, and I I feel like they're trying to like shove Liam Hensworth in there as the new Will Smith. Yeah. I keep forgetting he's in there. Yeah. But then the thing is, he has lines, and you don't care about him. Yeah. Because he's not... Because he has the... I mean, he's fine. Like, he's yeah. not great. He's not... Well, he's whatever. But he's just like... You can't replace Will Smith... Yeah. ...with Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. That's not how that works, Well, but guys. there's also a character in there who's supposed to be Will Smith's son. Son. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like, knock off Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, that's... Dude. Yeah. Like, that's... I keep, like... <laughs> at the risk of sounding racist, I guess. You're like, oh. Every time that dude shows up, I'm like, why is Michael B. Jordan in this movie? Oh, another... that's not Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. You're like, another black guy. Another young black guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who looks kind of crappy. Like, yeah. He does he not doesn't... look like he's good in this movie. So, th- th- this is the sequel to Independence Day. What do you guys think about Independence Day? The original. I love Independence Day. The first one, I think it's great. I think it's a, just a great summer blockbuster action movie. It hits all the, like, these different characters in these different situations, and they're all dealing with this one big threat. It's like a really good disaster movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's that great speech at the end about Independence Day and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, that's just sweet. Like, it's just great. Great movie, Will Smith, super charismatic. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum just being himself, you know? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, super solid. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's one of those movies that I just felt like was always around when I was growing up, you know? It's like after it came out in theaters, it's like I'd see it on TNT or I'd see it on, uh... They do like, no drama. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'd just see it on and be like, oh, okay. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie all the way through, mm-hmm. um... But yeah, because that movie's like seven hours long. Yeah, it is. It's it's so it is. Really it is, it is Especially really. on TV. Yeah. It's like, oh man, with all the commercials, you're there for a while. So, I mean, I, it's fine. It's like, whatever. I don't really have any, like, nostalgia or any, like, man, it's such a good movie. But I was, it's always enjoyable, you know, when I'd see it. Or it's like, oh yeah, Will Smith and, like, knock out the alien. and his, his Yeah, and yeah. his cigar, Third you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's just, it knows what it is, you know, so... 
What about you, MJ? Uh, I think it's <laughs> one of the last good movies Roland Emmerich made, uh, who was back to direct this. Um, Roland oh, Emmerich, really? Yeah, Roland Emmerich directed huh. Independence Day, uh, The Day After Tomorrow, Godzilla. The um, new Godzilla? No, the 1998 oh, Matthew Broderick geez. one. Oh, wow, um, that's rough. Yeah, The Patriot, which is decent, but way too long. That's a long movie. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so Roland Emmerich isn't, like, the best director on the face of the planet, but I think that might be his best movie, Independence Day. Mm-hmm. I think it plays directly to his strengths. Um, I think the effects still hold up yeah, really nicely. It still does look pretty good. Yeah. Like, surprisingly. Yeah, they used a bunch of miniature, miniatures for it as yeah. well, which, yeah. you know, oh, always... Always do miniatures. (laughs) (laughs) Will Smith is, I mean, it's like the quintessential Will Smith movie, I feel like. I was more of a Men in Black kid um, than an Independence Day kid. That was just, that was the one I owned was Men in Black rather than Independence Day. I don't know why I didn't own both of them, but I didn't. (laughs) And uh, so I saw Men in Black way more Mm -hmm. as a kid, but... I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through since I saw it for the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen it, like, bits of it every, I feel like every 4th of July I've seen at least a chunk of it. Um, yeah, it's always on. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's a, I remember liking it when I was a child. Granted, I was, like, eight. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> but, I, I mean, Will Smith is, you know, he's just... He's Will, Will Smith, Smith, man. He's, like, he's, like, charismatic and charming, and I think he's a good actor, and so... Yeah, and he's, you know, he's one of these, like, last holdout movie stars. Like, yeah. I talk about Tom Cruise being, like, the yeah. last movie star. Um, I think Will Smith could be counted in that, although yeah. I think Will Smith, his career has followed a very different trajectory than Tom Cruise's. Yeah. And so I feel like his star is not burning quite as brightly as Tom Cruise's tends to. Been some bad choices in yeah. the last five years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and his kids are nuts. So, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and his wife is nuts, and uh, yeah. So, so I think I think Will Smith is really what makes that movie, and yeah, I think so, that's why yeah. this movie is super ill advised. It also has a it has a great like tone to it, though. Mm. It has this great like like pro freedom, like this like America thing mm. that I don't really think plays today. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. but I, I like that I like that part of the movie because it just accepts it and runs with it because that's part of the premise. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's like a Independence Day, you mm-hmm. know, and it's about American independence and like it's yeah. all part of this. Yeah. You know, and that, like it just has that great feel to it. Yeah. And I don't think that same thing works anymore. I don't so know. Hamilton has a lot of that. That's true. I mean, I I personally think it should it can work anytime. Right. Yeah. But that's just me, so I don't know how it works with the, like an audience today. Right. But so, which is another reason why I don't know how this is gonna play out for the yeah. movie. So yeah. So <laughs> as near as I can tell from the trailers, the story mm. of the movie is uh, it's twenty years later. The aliens and come back because they're, back. they're stupid. Yeah, what? but we've taken a bunch of their tech and like adopted it for our own. So we're super advanced as a society now. And uh, then the aliens come back and they're like, "Well, we're even more advanced still." So we have to fight you. So middle fingers all around. And then yeah. that's as far as I got from the trailer. Yeah, it seems like they're like mm-hmm. come it's like they're back for revenge. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really hope I don't fall asleep in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I don't I really don't care. We've been in a string of films where I'm like, uh, this is just like a hassle for me to go see. So <laughs> besides finding Dory. But man. man, but Ninja Turtles, so good. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, love all me that CGI and, yeah. and X Men Apocalypse. Yeah, and man, yeah. just uh, rolling with the classics. 
if you're a little bored by this episode, uh, I get it, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a, it seems like a, it's going to be a real boring movie. Yeah, it just seems really, like, why are you making this? Yeah. Well, this brings up a, <clears throat> a, I guess, a deeper question we can talk about, and I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday, is... Is this a symptom of, like, Hollywood, like, taking the namesake of, like, a movie that, like, did well? And, you know, I don't think Independence Day has a story nostalgic franchise. But, like, is this, like, a problem of, like, we're running out of, like, new creative ideas, so we just keep pulling stuff like Jurassic World, and it has the name, and we'll just put it onto something to sell some stuff because the name will get people in theaters? Is that a, is that a problem? Yes. My answer is yes. Why do you say that, Because, like, every big movie that is, has come out this year <clears throat> is, like, a franchise or yeah. a sequel or a reboot or based on a, an IP from a different, you know, media. Yeah. So, na- like, name a movie that's, like, an original movie. I can't think of any right now. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. I, I, I have one, but I can't remember what it was. Um, like, yeah, nothing that was a hit. I mean, think of the last, like... Six movies you guys have reviewed. Zootopia. 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 Yeah. Zootopia was a big hit that was an original idea. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, the new guys came out or whatever. Oh, nice the nice guys. guys. The that nice was not guys. a hit, though. But it did not do well. It did well. not do well. Yeah. But that's, and that's, see, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, here. we're in this place. Saying. It's, it's either big blockbuster or indie, and so it's like, we're got, we gotta borrow the namesake of the thing to get people to come here. Like the new Ghostbusters movie coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Popstar, I think, was another one. Oh, Yeah. But never yeah. stop, never stopping. Yeah, yeah. pop circle and never stop, never. Which stopping. I really want to see. I haven't seen it. So it's it's good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's the perfect kind of stupid for us. Oh, like, so good. Yeah, I um, just love Andy Samberg. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a it's a great movie that is also not getting its due. Yeah, um, That's, yeah, it's just yeah. I yeah. Just, so I, there are original yeah. movies out there. Yeah, no one's seeing them. With I, the exception of Zootopia, which has crossed a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just feeling fatigued. Because it's not like I have anything against these franchises. I just think I want new, different things. Like, I don't want a Ninja Turtles reboot. And some, somehow it happened. And we keep getting movies like this. Whatever, like, people's opinions on the Ghostbuster film is, and we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. But it's like, why couldn't we have used that energy and that money to have just a new IP, like, create something else. Like, why do we always have to keep going back to these things of the past? And a lot of the times, it's like, it's not just we go back and we're like, we'll put the title on it, but it doesn't even represent kind of, like, the heart of what it pulled from. I mean, that's why you hate Jurassic World so much, Yeah, we talked about earlier. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, well, and I think this raises a separate question in, is this the year that will break the camel's back? Because... (laughs) These studios are not seeing the profits they anticipated seeing off of all these sequels. Um, Batman v Superman really underperforms, um, which still means it made eight hundred million dollars, but they expected it to do a billion. Yeah. Um, Civil War to a certain extent underperforms. Um, Finding Dory did not underperform; it broke it, a record. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, it's the <laughs> highest opening weekend for an animated movie ever. Yeah, X Men um, Apocalypse underperformed like crazy. Yeah, it did. Um, Ninja Turtles underperformed like crazy. I guarantee you, Tarzan. If anyone sees that, please come on the podcast and talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I saw it. the trailer before Finding Dory. I was like, man, that movie. If yeah. Anyone even like sees it? Wow. I didn't even know that movie existed until like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yep. 
Um, I feel like Ghostbusters will make a bunch of money because of the controversy, but it's no one's going to remember it. Yeah. Um, you know, Independence Day is going to come and go like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the BFG, which is an adaptation of, of the Roald Dahl book, no one's going to go see the BFG. I mean, he's going to yeah. make so little money for Disney. No one went to see Alice Through the Looking Glass. Like, no one's going out to see all these IPs that are being adapted. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that we may see, like, a swing the other way soon. I mean, I know we're still going to have our tentpole uh, Marvel and DC yeah. stuff. And, you know, I guess to a certain extent, James Bond is still going to be a thing. But those movies, like, a James Bond movie comes out, like, every three years <laughs> So that's not, I, I would say that's not really a problem. And they've been going, they have like a right to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they just earn the right to keep coming. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Marvel movies have too. Yeah. Uh, the DC movies, not so much. But, no. Um, you know, and then, you know, next year you've got like Kingsman, a sequel yeah. to that is coming out, which I don't even know if there's a sequel to the comic. I have no idea. I do not know. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> so that might just be like the movie did pretty well, so we're going to make a sequel to the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know how much longer this is going to be sustainable for the big studios. I mean, it feels like, and I'm not just trying to be like the overly critical person, but it feels like we have no ideas, so let's just like, what is something that people really love from the past? And they go back there and they pull it up and it doesn't even feel the same, you know? But I just, I, hopefully this will be the year where, like, they get the message where it's like, maybe people don't want this. Or maybe people get mad if, like, we touch a franchise that was, it was fine and it didn't need to be touched. And why don't we just use that energy to make something else? <clears throat> I don't know. Slade, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I'm, I agree. I mean, I'd like to just see some new stuff, interesting things. I think you brought up a comic as, like, the Ghostbusters thing. Which is like, why does that movie have to be Ghostbusters? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a Like, why couldn't it just be, like, it's a bunch thing. of, like... Yeah, you have, like, a, a all-girl, like, paranormal investigator movie, yeah. which sounds really sweet. Yeah. yeah. That could be really cool, but then you slap Ghostbusters on it, and, and I'm just like, well, why? Well, yeah, now yeah. you just split <laughs> your audience, and... Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't... That just doesn't sound... That's because, not nearly as... Because it's the name will make the money, Slade. And, I know. Yeah, yeah. And that's. I guess that's the idea, but... Uh, I think the same thing is like... This whole Independence Day thing, like, why does Independence Day need a sequel? Yeah. Especially if you can't get Will Smith to be in the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they got Goldblum. I mean, I guess, like, he like he should have been in it. Yeah, if you're going to make it, get Jeff Goldblum, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, whatever. Independence Day. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I, like, your comment about falling asleep is just like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, well, in a first for Roland Emmerich, the movie is under two hours. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that is an increasing thought that I have when I check these times on Flickster. <laughs> is what? Cool. <laughs> I'm just, and it seems to be just keep like drawing out movies longer and longer mm-hmm. and longer. Yeah. I mean, whatever happened to the 90 minute movie? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Finding Dory yeah. is 95 minutes, and I still thought it was too long. <laughs> yeah, like whatever, like whatever happened to get in, get out. You know, tell a quality story. Don't put extra junk in it that you don't. Need. Well, the nice guys. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. that movie is uh, that movie's two hours, and um, it does feel a, a little bit long. Maybe I mean by like three minutes. Yeah, maybe. there's not a lot of fat on. Yeah, it. there's very, not. Yeah. Um, you know that movie's it gets in, it gets out, and it gets you know it gets its goals accomplished. Yeah. Um, 
Popstar is another one. Like, it's a real tight movie. Um, that we, even when the jokes don't work, it's uh, it's still real tight. Uh, Zootopia is a really tight movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Did you, either one of you see Zootopia? No, I never saw I've it. Not seen really? It. I'm surprised you didn't see it, Corey. Mm-hmm. Zootopia, but, like, and if you notice what I'm saying, all three of these movies are the original IPs yeah. that we've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a connection. Here. Yeah. Um, I do think that, like, there was exceptions to every role. Like, 10 Cloverfield Lane was really tight. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking of. And one of the better movies of the year, but, I mean, it's obvious got the Cloverfield Connection. And that's more of, like, an anthology movie. But that makes more sense to me. I feel like it's like, yeah, it kind of borrows the name a little bit, but it still kind of feels like it's in the vein once you see it. It's like, okay, I can see how this would be linked to Cloverfield, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I think that, like, I, I think that actually is kind of a really interesting direction to go. Um, we're seeing that in television right now, you know? You've got your American Horror Story, where each season is completely different, like it's a new story. Mm-hmm. True Detective is that way. Um, so I think to have a movie franchise kind of emulate that is a really interesting idea. Um, and it just so happens that I happen to really like Cloverfield, but I even, yeah. like... I think 10 Cloverfield Lane is probably a better movie than Cloverfield. It's a really good movie. Yeah, it is really good. And... Uh, I think that this sort of like anthology film, like almost Twilight Zone esque yeah, approach like to filmmaking that. is really it it allows you to tell these original stories and keep the umbrella there for the name recognition. Yeah. Like it's 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 like having your cake and eating it too. Kind of. Yeah, it's like the thread of like, hey, these all fun fall under this thing, so it's like there's kind of this thread of like you you get like either like paranormal or you get this kind of mm-hmm. established thing, but it's different every time, and I kind of like that. It's more of a genre than just a specific series. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. It's fine. Well, I mean, one of our favorite series, Fast and Furious. Like one of the reasons I think that series works is because each one of them is a different genre. Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, they're all under, like, action and comedy kind of drama. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, span. But they all have, like, very different, unique identities within each film. And that's kind of like the Cloverfield thing, which mm-hmm. you guys were talking about. Yeah. And I think that really, like, what hits home is, like, the sincerity of it. And it's going back to the Jurassic World thing. Jurassic World is just, like, very insincere. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I feel like this is the same with the new Independence Day. It's just like, hey, we're just grab something and we're just making here's Independence Day 2 yeah you know and it doesn't feel like like the people making it like really care about the franchise or the characters like making it a continuation of the original story yeah you know and like all of that it just feels really like just like well there's gonna be some CG and explosions so (laughs) have fun you know and there's nothing wrong with CG and explosions I'm a fan of those things right but you you gotta care about them yeah and you gotta like there has to be a point to it and I mean, they're not screening the movie for critics. Yeah. Yeah, what's up with that? Until, you know what's up with that. So they, they, <laughs> they caved, and they're screening the film for critics 15 hours after the movie opens. Wow. Critic, press screenings start on Friday. Wow. Has, that's not normal, is it? No. Okay. So usually it's a bad sign. if they, Like, sometimes mm. a movie will not screen for critics, and that usually is a pretty big sign of the quality of the movie. Okay. Why they decided this, I have no idea. I don't know another movie who has done that. Where they're like, we're not, we're not screening the movie for critics. Wow. Just kidding, we are. Almost a day after it opens. What was Please let us make some this? money. Yeah. <laughs> what, was um, another, what was another movie that did that? 
do oh, like that. I said, I can't think of another one that, that pulled it and then was like, hey, we're going to oh, do it okay. the day after. I've heard of movies like not doing a press screening <laughs> and then they come out and they're like, hey, that movie was terrible. Um, <laughs> but I can't, I can't think of another one that has moved a press screening to after the release of the movie to the general public. That's, That's real confident. You know, yeah, really like, yeah, yeah. This movie's gonna do well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've seen. <laughs> Not really. I've yeah. seen critics get invited to press screenings the week after the movie comes out, which doesn't make sense to yeah, me. Yeah, that doesn't make like sense. Alyssa Wilkinson from Christianity Today didn't get an invite for a screening of the new Ninja Turtles movie until like four days after it was out, and she was like, "I'm not gonna go to that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've already watched it. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was like, "I'm not gonna see it then." Oh, basically. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, because she was like, "I'm gonna be out of town on that day, anyways, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not gonna go pay to see it." Yeah. Before, like, on the Thursday night release. Yeah. So, like, Christianity Today is just not getting this movie reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. No turtles. <laughs> yeah, I'm the I'm the head film critic. I get to make that decision. Yeah. Um, like they're real broken up about it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. So. I was going to say, Slade, coming back to what you were saying about sincerity, and I feel like that is the difference between even, like, Disney doing these live-action remakes. Mm -hmm. You feel sincerity there. Like, MJ and I have talked about when we did Jungle Book and Cinderella. It feels like they care. The people that they bring in, they care. The people who, like, come into these projects, they actually are, like, passionate about, like, hey, this is going to be new and different, but we're going to, like, make it up to, like, the standard that, like, everybody expects. And I think that's the difference. These other movies just, like, well... Maybe we can make some money and blow some stuff up, and we got Goldblum or we got whoever. It'll, <laughs> yeah, be, it'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, more specifics, like, what do you guys think about Goldblum in this movie? I like Jeff Goldblum. I, I do too. I just think he's entertaining as a person. Yeah. So I'm fine with him being in movies. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, cool, you know. And he had to be in it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if they didn't get Will Smith and and they didn't get Goldblum, it was like, well, there's no way I'd ever go see this movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now it's just like, eh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, he's he's fine. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's Jeff Goldblum. I, you know, I like him. He's so distinct. Yeah. He really <laughs> is. And he's just, like, leaning into that the older he gets. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, knows what his niche is and just goes to Yeah. I really want to go see him perform, because he, he, like, plays jazz piano. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. Yep, and he just has, like, a residency at some club in L.A. That sounds So, like, awesome. every Tuesday he just plays. Wow. But also he does just, like, Q&As with the audience. <laughs> of course he does. Yep. That'd be sweet. I'd be super down to go. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited that he's going to be in the next uh, Thor movie. Oh, yeah. So, that's oh, yeah. Like the Grandmaster or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, that's kind of cool. So. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what that guy does in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Just all sorts <clears throat> of crazy. Yep. Yeah, and he lo- I mean, he looks very Jeff Goldblumy in this movie, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. Um, <clears throat> I feel like there's a whole bunch of kooky people in this movie, which is not how the first one is. There's like one or two. Yeah, I'm glad they brought back the crazy scientist guy. Yeah. Because he's great in the first one. <laughs> what, I forget his name. but he Dr. Was in... Oz- Ozkin or something? I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, they're like... I just, he's great in the first one, and I'm really glad that they brought him back. That kind of was just, like, made me more excited about it. Yeah. And the president's mm-hmm. back. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Bill Pullman rocking yeah. a beard. <clears throat> yeah. Which, yeah. He looks good. You yeah. Know? I hope and, he gets another iconic speech. He probably yeah. won't, but yeah, I he hope should. he does. Yeah. Because that's, like, the best part of the first one. Yeah. Is that speech at the end. Yeah. And one then, of my favorite parts yeah. of the first one is when... They're doing the alien autopsy, and then it just attacks them. Yeah. Like, that was one of the first times... Like, and there's all the like, smog everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah, really well done. 
But yeah, it looks. I mean, it looks like a decent continuation because looks like his the president's daughter is gonna be in it, which you kind of see here from the original and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. how she's grown up without a mother because the mom dies in the first one. Yeah, and that whole thing. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, and there's there is some things that they tried to do to like make it consistent and feel like part of the franchise and like a a good continuation. So I, I we're bagging on it a lot, but they I feel like there's there's a few things that they're you know mm-hmm. th- that they made some good choices. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know, man. Just any t- any time a movie's like your father, you know, who's the character from the first one, it's like you got a lot of ground to make up, yeah, man. It's true. You got it's a true. lot of ground to make up. So <laughs> I don't know. Final thoughts, I guess, on this for me are: it's a movie we have to see for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say final thoughts. I don't care. I mean, like, I'm going to it because I have to. So. Yeah. That's so depressing. Yeah. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, because... Now you're going to it, because you yeah, have to. Pretty, I was not going to go see that yeah. before. Um, yeah. Slade came decided. in yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and the one... Like, I was like, yeah, I'll totally be on. But then it was like, Independence Day, and I was like, do I actually want to see that movie? <laughs> well, now you gotta. I was like, MJ texted me, I'm sure. like, I'm more excited that, like, we're going to have Slade on the episode, we're going <laughs> to hang out, like, as opposed to me having to watch this film. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. So, from a very uh, uninterested panel of people, (laughs) uh, we'll be back to talk about how uninteresting this movie is next week. Or maybe we'll just come back and talk about something else. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, we should just have five minutes about... Yeah. (laughs) That would be the best. Completely just talk about something different. That would be the best. Uh, Yeah. Um, I'll go see Magic Heist 2 and... We'll talk about that. I right. bet it's more entertaining. Yeah. Probably. I'd be down to see that. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at MJSmith891. I'm at CatInTheHat49. I do have a Twitter. I'm trying to remember what my name is. I think it's just my name, at Slade Oren, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But I'm pretty... I think that's it. Yeah. I can't imagine there's another Slade Oren on Twitter. No. There might be. Doubtful. Yeah. But... Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at Before and After Pod. That's at Before, the letter N, After Pod. Um, email the show, Before and After Show at gmail.com. Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. We always forget to mention Stitcher. Uh, oh, hashtag MJ Watches Shallows. Yeah. So, no movement on that from the last set of episodes, mm. which is a bummer. And also, I got the release date of this movie incorrect. It's coming out this Friday, but I'm still going to give you until next Friday to get all those hashtags in. So you have a full Let's week for the movie to be out to get those hashtags in. I legitimately want to see this movie, and I want to see it with MJ. Yeah. So let's make it happen. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Um, you can find me on thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. That's that real, R-E-E-L, because puns. Yeah. perspective.blogspot.com you can find my writing there um, all the YouTube is there all the podcasts are there mm-hmm. and yeah hit that up it's a real fun spot um, Corey have you written anything on the on the blog yet? I'm working on a piece hopefully for this week about, okay. about video games so yeah it'll be sweet mixing it up <clears throat> I like it yeah I like it sounds good um, and until next time go watch a Will Smith movie <clears throat> yeah Wild Wild West dude Wicked Wild Wicked Wicked Wild 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 oh, West, Jim West, Desperado. I can't remember. Uh, wild Wild West. Six Gunnanist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when Salmonist, Six Gunnanist. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs>
Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs> <laughs>